Saint Ignatius of Loyola is one of the great saints in church history uh, from Spain in the 16th century. Famously, he was wounded in battle, seriously so, and, and underwent this dramatic conversion, became a priest, founded a religious order, the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits. He's remembered as one of the great uh, spiritual masters in our tradition, and obviously became a saint. Something that's not as well known about the man is that he loved to gaze upon the stars. And this wasn't just a hobby for him. He, in his autobiography, he wrote about the great consolation he would receive from gazing at the sky and the stars, and that he would do this often and for a long period of time. And what he, what he realized was that when he did this, um, he felt within himself a strong impulse to serve our Lord. When he gazed at the night sky, he experienced wonder and awe, and that lifted his heart and mind up to God. And nor is he alone in this experience. I mean, St. Francis of Assisi talks about something similar. St. Therese of Lisieux has a, a story about how the stars of the sky um, facilitated her prayer life and, and her appreciation of God's goodness. Many saints do. And I would think it's safe to say that the author of Psalm 8 from our response Oriel Psalm, we could say the same about him. As he writes, When I behold your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place, what is man that you should be mindful of him? Or the son of man that you should care for him? You know, notice it isn't just that the night sky is beautiful or it's not just the immense number of stars in the sky, but the fact that in this vast universe, this vast universe where our planet is a small little blue dot, God himself has numbered the hairs on our head. You often when we gaze at the stars, we might realize just how small we are, but though we are small, God is still mindful of us. And we see this in, in all kinds of ways, but, but we see this especially in the fact that he speaks to us. He reveals to us the truth necessary for salvation, truth about who we are, why we are here, what is our purpose, how we ought to live, what is good, what is evil, and most especially, he reveals himself to us. That's what we celebrate today, that God has revealed the mystery of who he is. That there's one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the most holy trinity. In our readings, we see how God first begins subtly to unfold the mystery of who he is in the Old Testament. And then gradually in the New Testament, it becomes more explicit. Our first reading from Proverbs, it, it speaks of personified, the personified wisdom of the Lord, right? It says the wisdom of God who was there when the Lord uh, formed the heavens, established the heavens. So who is this personified wisdom? Is it the Son? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it both? We could make an argument for all three of those cases. I think the, the reason we have this first reading is this. It shows us that hundreds of years before Jesus Christ walked the earth, God was beginning to unfold the mystery of who he is. 
Because it's really hard to reconcile this first reading with the idea of a monopersonal God. Mono, per, mono means one, right? We're, we are monotheists. We believe in one God. But we do not believe in a monopersonal God. We believe in a triune God. One God, three persons. And that mystery of who God is, it, it's much more explicit we can see in our gospel. Jesus speaks of the Father, God the Father, in his equality with God the Father. That's because Jesus is the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity made man. And of course, he speaks about the third person of the Trinity as well, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, who will guide the disciples in all truth. And it is that Spirit of truth who will guide the disciples and their followers to where the church formulates what we believe about the Holy Trinity. You will not find the word Trinity in the Bible, but it nonetheless is true that there is one God, three persons. The Father is God, whole and entire. The Son is God, whole and entire. The Spirit is God, whole and entire. These are three distinct persons, yet only one God. And we formulated that under the guidance of the Spirit of Truth in the early church. You know, I've used the word mystery a lot, and I should probably explain how we use that. We, don't, we mean it in a different sense than we commonly use it. We speak of, like, murder mysteries today. That's some case or problem that needs to be solved. Who, who is the murderer? Who can solve that? That's not how we're using mystery. When we speak of, like, a mystery of God, it's something hidden that God alone can unveil. It's something that, left to our own devices, we could not solve or crack or figure out. That's how it is with the Trinity. I'll, I'll give you an example. Many a person has gazed at the stars at night. They look at the order and the beauty. They look at the grandeur, and then they reason that God exists. That's, we, that's good. We can and should do that. We can come to know God exists with certitude by reason. But we can't look at the stars in the sky by our reason alone know that God is a trinity. That's something he had to reveal to us, to unveil to us, this mystery. And even though he has revealed it, it remains difficult to understand and grasp. It's probably why Trinity Sunday today is often called the preacher's nightmare, because the Holy Trinity is difficult to explain and understand. But I think there's an, an additional difficulty with preaching on Trinity Sunday, and it's this. In our modern busyness and distraction, we can all too easily just dismiss the mystery of the Holy Trinity. Not so much saying it's not important, but we're, we're, we can have the attitude of like, where, where we say, yes, I get it. One God, three persons. I get it. I understand. I believe it. But we don't get it. That's that's part of why we have today in the first place. We don't get it. God is mysterious. He's utterly unlike anything we run into in this universe. Everything in the universe has a beginning, and it will have an end. Whether it's people or animals or vegetation or inanimate objects. Everything has a beginning. Everything will have an end. Yet God never had a beginning. He will never have an end. He always was, is, and will be. He's eternal. And that's just one aspect of how he's utterly and completely unlike anything we encounter. The truth is that is this, that 
more wonder-inducing and awe-inspiring than the stars in the heavens is the God who set the heavens in motion in the first place. So what's the takeaway? We should gaze at the stars like St. Ignatius? It's not a bad start. I mean, we need to experience wonder, and it's not something we can manufacture. But if nothing else, I think we ought to pray for wonder and awe, and especially wonder and awe in the presence of God. But we should have wonder and awe when we address God in prayer. Think about it, that in this vast and grand universe, when we pray, God in all his majesty and mystery, he bends his ear, so to speak, to listen to us and converse with us. Or think of the Eucharist, right? When the priest elevates the host, God himself is come down from heaven and is in our midst under the appearance, hidden and veiled under the appearance of bread and wine. Yet we're fallen creatures and we're given to routine and so many of us have been in mass since before we can remember. We need wonder and awe, the wonder and awe that Ignatius experienced that inspired him to serve God and, and spurred him to become the saint God created him to be. You know, I often use that phrase, uh, the saint God created us to be, because we are created to be saints. In heaven, the saints enjoy the beatific vision. They gaze upon God himself, unveiled face to face. They behold God, one and three, as he is. And in gazing upon God in his majesty and glory, the saints experience the perfect fulfillment of every good desire happiness in the fullest sense of the world of the word our destiny is to gaze upon god for all eternity that is what it means to be made a saint may god bless us with the experience of wonder and awe so that we can be inspired to serve god and spurred to become the saints he created us to be